the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When you die, do you know you're going to heaven? What does it mean to have assurance? Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. And this morning you'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. This week, Pastor Chris Chadwick continues Assurance, a series of messages on knowing you can be in heaven when you die. Listen in and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Learn with us what it means to be kept by the Spirit. I think the book of Romans is the greatest book in all the Bible. If I only had one book, if I was stranded on a desert island, if you will, or a deserted island, if you will, um, and uh, if somebody said you can only take one book of the Bible, I would take the book of Romans. If somebody said you can only take one chapter from one book of the Bible, I would take Romans chapter 8. One commentator called it, said this about it. The spiritual richness, both theological and practical of this chapter, is beyond calculation and surpasses adequate comment. When read by a believer with an open mind and an, ob- and an obedient heart, it is incredibly enriching. It's one of the supreme life-changing chapters in Scripture. It moves along in an ever-ascending course, concluding in the marvelous height of praise and assurance. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Look there with me. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8 is a phenomenal book. Wilmington's Guide to the Bible says this about Romans chapter 8. It's been observed that if the Bible were likened to a beautiful set, a ring set with jewels, the book of Romans would be the most beautiful jewel in the ring and the eighth chapter, the most beautiful facet in the jewel. Romans chapter 8 is an amazing chapter in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, I told you this a couple of weeks ago when we started in Romans chapter 8, that Romans chapter 1 through 7 mentions the Holy Spirit one time. Romans chapter 8 mentions the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost almost 20 times. I think it's 18 or 19 times. The Holy Ghost is often referred to as the third person in the Trinity. I want to be clear as we talk about, because you'll see the word spirit several times in our text, the the Holy Spirit is often referred to as the third person in the Trinity. I want to be very clear that we understand that he is not third in rank. He is not third in power. He is not third in position or in authority. But in this, that he is 
most often when he is mentioned, he is mentioned third, like Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or 1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. He is mentioned third, and he uh, is spoken of less frequency, frequently in the Bible than the other uh, two uh, persons in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit has a role in the Trinity of pointing people to Jesus Christ, of convicting people of sin, of drawing people to the Lord, and in truth of reflecting praise to God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is to the believer what God the creator is to the physical world. Without God the creator, God the father, the physical world would not, ex- would not exist. Even this sinful world wouldn't exist. We exist by the grace and the omnipotence or the all-powerful nature of God. That's how we exist, and that's why we exist. The Holy Spirit is to the believer just like God is to the physical world. He indwells us. He keeps us. And he sustains us. The Holy Spirit is the divine agent of God who creates, sustains, and preserves the spiritual life of those who place their trust in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who will bring every believer into the full consummation of his salvation by granting him eternal glory in the presence of God. And it should be made clear that the Holy Spirit is not simply an influence or an impersonal power emanating from God. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third member of the Trinity, equal in every way to God the Father and God the Son. Now, there's two types of people probably in the room today. There are people that might have a little bit of a charismatic background that might say things like this. Matter of fact, this happened at the 830 service. Like, I come from a church, and this guy told me this. He said, this church isn't like where I came from. I said, where did you come from? He goes, I came from a charismatic church. Like, okay, all right. He looked at me, and I looked at him like, we're not like that. So there's a type of people that are like, man, the Holy Spirit's the number one thing in every service, and we just get super excited. And when we say Holy Spirit, we jump up and down, and we dance, and we run all around, and all these things. So there's those folks, and then there's people who have overcorrected, and when they hear the word Holy Spirit, some of you in this room right now, you just got nervous. You're like, I've grown up a Baptist, I just heard the word Holy Spirit, and my back just started sweating. Can I tell you that both of those extremes are wrong? The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He's the loving, part of the loving Godhead who who cares for us and loves us and indwells us. He's a wonderful part of the the creating being of God. Holy Spirit functions with the mind, with the emotions, and with the will of those who are saved. He loves the saved. He communicates, teaches, comforts, and chastises and corrects the saints. Christians can lie to him. Christians can grieve him. It means to sadden him. Quench him. Tell him no. Test him. And resist him. Non-believers can blaspheme him. And ultimately reject him. 
The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Second Peter chapter one, verse 21. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He's the primary source of our spiritual development and growth. Jude, verse number 20. The Bible speaks of his omniscience, his, his omnipotence and his omnipresence. Omniscience, he's all-knowing. Omnipotence, he's all-powerful. Omnipresence, he's everywhere at all time. The, the Bible talks about his divine glory and his holiness. He is called God, Lord, Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Jesus, and the Comforter and the Advocate for believers. In our passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 11, Paul continues to show us the countless benefits of the Holy Spirit and truly the countless benefits of being saved or what the Bible calls justification. Verse number 1, there is now therefore no condemnation or, or, or no eternal judgment to them who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. That, that one of the benefits of our justification is that we, we will, never be condemned as our world takes a sharp turn away from God, which I don't think you have to be a theologian to see that. The world is literally going mad. you're called a hater if you say things like four and five-year-old children shouldn't be encouraged to transition. It's the issue of our day. If you say, no, no, God created, the Bible says male and female created he them. The way you were created is the way God intended for you to be created. The greatest joy in your life is not trying to change that. The greatest joy in your life is living in the fullness of how God created you. And, and, and you're literally called hateful if you say that four and five-year-olds shouldn't be thinking those issues. Our world is going crazy. And it's not just an American thing. It's not just a California thing. For years, people are like, California, the land of fruits and nuts. And I've said for years to my friends who say idiotic things like that, you better export Christ to California because we'll export our fruits and nuts to you. Like, oh, that'll never happen. I live in Texas. Some of you even here this morning, like, I want to live in Texas. I believe in their politics. Bro, I'm from Texas. You better recognize, homie, real quick, that you're one vote away from being as jacked up as we are. Oh, no, no, we're not. Oh, yes, yes, you are. I love the state of Texas. I can't wait for it to fall back into Mexican hands. Maybe they'll get their Mexican food right in Texas if that would happen. Because I tell you, there's nothing in the world worse than Tex-Mex. Can I get an amen in the crowd? People are like, Tex-Mex is great. That tastes like trash. Oh, I love it. I love it. Ground, ground beef in Mexican food? Are you kidding me? What are you, Taco Bell for crying out loud? Oh, he just touched some toes, didn't we now? Some of the young single guys and the staff members at Canyon Ridge are like, Taco Bell, my sacred cow, that's what will be in heaven. 
The world's gone mad, and so have I. (laughs) Well, in a world that is going mad or has gone mad, if we're not sure of our salvation, we're going to really struggle. There's going to be grave difficulty in our life because the truth, the, the reality of this, the greatest gift God could give us is what, I, what we'll call eternal security or assurance of our salvation. If you believe that you could die or, or lose your salvation, I mean, every time that you sin, can I be very candid with you? You're going to lose your salvation every day. You're probably going to lose your salvation if you're like me every day, many times every day. <laughs> because if you're like me, I don't know about anybody else in the room, but, but there are just things that, that just trip me up. And one of the things that really trips me up as Chris Chadwick is being in the fast lane and people drive slow. I'm telling you, every time that happens, I sin. If you're that person, you're an agent of Satan. The fast lane's not to drive 65 in. The fast lane's drive to drive... 95 in. You say, well, I thought that that's speeding and speeding is a sin. Okay, church boy, stay in the slow lane. (laughs) Now, I'm kidding. You're probably right. But I'm just telling you, we all have things that some of the men in here are like, oh, I agree with pastor. And some of the women are like, we shouldn't have come today. Shut up. Here's the reality. I'm being funny to prove a bigger point. That we all sin every day. And if sin separates you from God after salvation, then you know, there's no menial, venial sins. The Bible's not a Catholic book. It's God's book. And if you sin a little or you sin a lot and it separates you from God every time you sin, then you're going to have to get saved every day and probably a hundred times every day. Because your bad thoughts would separate you from God and your bad words would separate you from God and your fear would separate you from God and your anxiety would separate you from God and your frustration would separate you from God and and, and worry would separate you from God and you name it, it would separate you from God. So there would be absolutely no confidence that you would ever be with the Lord. And you could never truly know that you're redeemed. You could never truly know that you're saved. And so the Bible's pretty clear. Let me rephrase that. The Bible is extremely clear that when you're saved, you're saved for eternity. Well, how? Verses five to eight of our text. Salvation brings a change of nature. Salvation brings a change of nature. All the way back in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve fell, they sinned against God. The nature of mankind changed. We were created innocent, but sin distorted everything about us. Everything about us. Sin affected our nature in major ways. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The word The phrase, they that are after, literally means this, have a quality of being, a fundamental essence, a bent or a disposition for they that have a, they that are after the flesh. It just means this. I'll tell you what it means and then I'll come back and define it a little more clearly. It means a person who doesn't know Christ. A person who's never been saved, a person who's never been redeemed, whatever word you want to use, they are without hope, they are without Christ. They that are after the flesh, they have a, they have a bent towards sin. They that are after the flesh, implying a, a sinfulness, the word flesh, a, a proneness to sin. 
A carnal nature, the seat of carnal appetites and desires, sinful passions. Those who are flesh are, if I could say it this way, with as much grace as I know how to give, if you're in the flesh, if you're without Christ, if you're unsaved, then you're unforgiven. Then you're unredeemed. You're unregenerated. You're unsaved. Well, how do you say that? It's just what God's word says. Doesn't make me a bad person for speaking the truth. That's what God's word says. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Prior to salvation, this is where everyone was. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Listen to what he's saying about all of us prior to salvation. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp or vipers or cobras, it would all be defined as that, uh, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is who we all were. They that are after the flesh do mind, verse number five in Romans eight, do mind the things of the flesh. The word mind means to actively think about, to focus one's attention on. The word involves the will, the affections, and the conscience. They willfully, they that are after the flesh, they that are sinners, they who are without Christ, do actively, intentionally, uh, voluntarily think about the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh, sinful things, carnal appetites is what it means. Carnal desires or sinful desires and affections, whether they're physical or moral. Without Christ in their hearts, this is the basic disposition of people towards sin. They do mind, they think about the things of the Flesh. They are a prisoner to the law of sin. Now, make no mistake, I'm not saying that if people who are without Christ don't have a measure of moral goodness from a human paradigm. There are some people who, who I know without Christ that are nice, good, moral people. And there are some Christians that I know that, that, that man, they're, they're not good. So so I'm not saying that you become a Christian, you become the greatest person ever. Or or if you're not a Christian, you're the worst person ever. We're talking about the condition of the inner man and the mind of the individual that without Christ, apart from Jesus, apart from salvation, that we do focus our attention on the things that, of the flesh, which is exactly what the verse says. Do mind the things of the flesh. We pay attention to, give our hearts over. We focus our attention on the things of the flesh. 
And that's what we think about. And Proverbs chapter 23, verse number seven teaches us this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about determines who you are, not what you do. Do you hear me? What you think about determines who you are, not what you do. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there is very clearly in our text a focus on the flesh. Look at verse number six. For to be carnally minded is death. Now, Paul does something really cool in Romans chapter eight. He takes the first part of verse number five and he talks about the negative and the first part of six and the negative. And then he's gonna contrast those back and forth for a couple of verses. So we'll look at all the negatives and then we'll look at the positives, the contrast. And in verse number six, for to be carnally minded is death. Carnally minded is a a mind of the flesh. He's saying the same thing, a different way to draw our attention to it. To draw emphasis to the idea. To draw emphasis to the reality. That if you are carnally minded, your mind is on the flesh. It's the mind a man is born with. It's the mind we inherited from our parents. Notice that he says, to be carnally minded is death. Paul doesn't say it leads to death. Paul doesn't say that one day you'll become death. He says it is death. What a difficult reality. See, here's so often what people say, well, pastor, I'm just gonna live my life. I'm gonna do the best that I can. And when I stand before God, maybe my good works will outweigh my bad works. We'll see what God says. Brothers, friends, he's already said what it will be. He's already said that it is present active tense. It is death. We could cross-reference this with John chapter 3, verse number 36, where the Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already. That dude you work with that doesn't know Jesus as his Savior, it's not like maybe God will show grace. No, no, no. God's judgment is sadly already on that individual. Based on the authority of the word of God. We see the finality of the fleshly mind, that the state is already determined by God. Notice verse number seven, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. We see the fight of the fleshly mind. The word enmity means deep-seated, ill will, hatred, hostility. It's the same idea where we get the word enemy. The word enmity is a deep-seated ill will because verse number seven The carnal or the fleshly, he's just using a different word to say the same basic thing. The fleshly mind is the enemy of God. The mind without Christ is a mind that is literally the enemy of God. That's why Paul can say with such power and authority what we read earlier in Romans chapter three, their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. Why? Because their hearts at enmity with God. 
And it's a fight. That's why in a world gone mad, if you're a believer, you hear some things that are going on in the world and things that people in the world are saying, and you're literally going like, I can't believe they're saying that. Why would they think that? Why would they act this way? I can't believe that, that, that we're voting on this in, in whatever state or, or house that, that you're thinking of or in Washington, D.C. I can't believe this is said in our elementary schools or our colleges. I just can't believe this is going on. Why is it? Because the carnal mind is the enemy of God. The mind without Christ is the enemy of God. If you don't know Christ, you're the enemy of God. No, no, I I like God. I, I have crystals in my house and an angel too. I'm not being funny. I help my neighbors. I, I believe there's a force out there somewhere that's bigger. Maybe it's a, it's a this or it's a that. No, no, I, I don't hate anybody or anything. I'm not anyone's enemy. Dear friends, listen to what I'm about to say. Then you need to understand this. God is your enemy. The carnal mind. I'm not trying to shock value. I I love this passage. We're going to get some good stuff here. But we have to understand the reality before we get to the wonder. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick concludes this powerful message on being kept by the Spirit. Speaking of, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian and how to go to heaven after you die, we invite you to visit our website, CanyonRidgeBaptist.com for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, our pastor, or how to know Jesus is your Savior, visit our website at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.